Thanks, Cheeky Monkey Brewery, you ripper. You. G'day everyone, welcome to Bailshead Podcast, Namu here with you for another episode of our uh, little podcast from the southwest. It's great to be here and we've got T-Bone across from the table. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. A little bit uh, sore and sorry for myself this morning, mate. But uh, Hobbling around a little bit there, mate. What's what's happened? I know. Yeah, just uh, the age is catching up on me. Did a bit of training last night down at base MMA and the, uh, the old leg is, uh, yeah, just pulled off a bit sore. <laughs> mate, you can barely walk. It's a bit more than that. Um, so, yeah bit going on we uh, we've uh we're missing our friend ads kennedy um at the moment but he's going to call in shortly to have a bit of a chat about things he may he may actually still be hung over from the chat that we had with uh james cats Cato and kelly bremer last week that was um pretty mental one i don't you weren't, obviously weren't here t-bone but um yeah adsy and i spoke to those blokes for a while and i think i had to leave after about two hours and adsy kept going on for another i think five or six hours i think it's got the potential to be the longest ever podcast recorded mate, mate it's going to be longer than north and south that old mini series back in the back in the 80s but um yeah it's going to be an absolute belter we're going to put i think we're going to put out an initial two hour episode as an intro to cats and his mate keely and um yeah they've certainly got some stories those boys it's very entertaining and i think it got looser and looser by yeah, I think they wrapped up just about midnight. <laughs> I think it went for about six hours, and I and I know the uh, the cheeky monkey fridge got an absolute flogging. So yeah, thanks to cheeky monkey for lubricating that conversation and others that we have on the podcast. Um, T mate, what what the hell's been going on, mate? Well, mate, you know, probably like most, I mean, I can speak for myself. I didn't really tune in uh, for the qualifying rounds of the Jeep Surf Ranch Pro, mate. I, uh, Kelly's pool? Yeah, I wasn't really into it, to be honest with you. Um, but I did tune in for the finals day. Yep. I um, I could see, you know, you could sort of predict what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, it, it was going to be one of the Brazilians... Either either the Brazilian's going to be in the final, you know, and so it was Toledo and Medina battling it. Let me ask you a question. Who was in your, your two for the fantasy in the top tier? Well, I made a big boo-boo, mate. Oh, for no. some reason, my... Um, what have you done? Some of my uh, selections didn't actually um, happen. So I, I had, I think, half of my, my fantasy team were locked in. The other half, I didn't even make a selection. Oh, no. But I actually had Medina and Italo as my top two. Yep. I uh, don't know what happened to Italo, but uh, Phil Toledo, you know, he, it was, uh, I guess he was out for revenge um, to Gabby and uh, brought home the uh, the bacon. Yeah, he certainly did. Let's look at the uh, the results from this year so far. We've had, obviously, John John taking pipe, and then her at Newcastle, Italo. Italo. Um, and then Gabby. And Gab. And then Felipe. And Felipe. And then Gabby, and then Felipe. Total domination. The Aussies don't even get a look in, do don't they? Even, Come on, well, boys. I was saying that, Namu. I mean, Morgs is... This is in the men's, obviously. Yeah, You're not Morgs about the is ladies. sitting in the top five. Um, but, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, the ladies are a little bit better, but it's Brazilian domination. 
So all Morgs has to do is get a fifth in Tahiti and he should be in the top five. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. Because i tell you what, you've heard it here, you'll hear it here first. If Mexico goes ahead, I'll eat my hat. It's not going to happen. I think it will, Nelly. Um, Looks like I'm eating a hat. Yeah, I think it will. Uh, you know, it's... Um, I mean, it made sense cancelling Brazil. Obviously, the population is huge and it's. I think it's the second... Uh, nation it's on the other side from mexico mate well yeah i know but i i think barra ala duca i can't remember the name of the where it's at barra de la cruz is probably not as populated as some of those uh cities in in uh, brazil so whether they um you know i'm sure they'll implement some pretty strong covid protocols during that event nami but i think that i think if any event i think a lot of the pros will be frothing for uh that to happen yeah but there's a bit bit of time um, to go, you know. It doesn't kick off to August the tenth. So for the Aussies, oh, over the Mexico in, can't. Yeah, for the yeah, Aussies okay. over in the states. I mean, what do they do? Well, you go home, don't you? Yeah. Two weeks in quarantine. Now, uh, one thing that I've got to mention with the pool competition is um, a couple of things, obviously. But one thing which was I found just incredibly frustrating is I I tried to tune in sort of get up relatively early, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning and, no, nah, not really, and um, have a look at it. But you could just never work out what was going on. No, never can. The leaderboard, what, you know, who's going up, what do they need? Yeah, it was just really frustrating. I just can't can't work out how they could get that so wrong. I know, mate. I had no idea either. There was little. Yeah, like I said, I, I just tuned in on the finals day. What? Once I saw that um, Philippe and, and Gabby were in the final, that, that's when I tuned in because I think they they are the two best surfers in the pool by far. Yeah, I I had um, Gabby and Philippe as my two. Luckily, I thought that no one else is going to come close and that turned out to be the case. Um, and also in the women's, I had Carissa and Joanne DeFay as well. So I got the finalists in both both uh, men's and women's. So Killing it, mate. So. Well... Yeah, not really. Not even winning my own league, mate. So uh, I think I'm 30th or something, which is fucking disappointing. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, I should make mention of the winner of the Jeep Surf Ranch Barrel Surf Podcast League competition. And it was somebody. Oh, jeez, I can't. Haven't got it up now. <laughs> no, we'll we'll bring it up a bit later yeah. anyway. Anyway, congratulations uh, to there, you. There's some beer involved. No, we'll, we'll check that out. If you, if you did actually uh, took out the uh, the wave pool event, uh, get in contact. And uh, as usual, if you're within ten kilometres of uh, Nami's house, come and pick up uh, some cheeky monkey beer. Or well, like in the last winter, if you uh, have got a mate over here, come pick up your beers for you. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess the, the message to everyone about the pool was that it, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that there should almost be two streams, slightly not two, uh, what is it? You know, like in snowboarding, you've got slope style and... Yeah, so have a specialty event, you know, like an air event. Two streams, pool surfing, ocean surfing. I think the ISA and the Olympics probably lend itself to that pool sort of situation and everything else, the CT, just leave it alone. It's just so different and, you know, I thought, like in the snowboarding and stuff, that sort of technical side of it was pretty impressive Mm -hmm. in the pool. You sort of, it becomes even more unrelatable, I think, 
seeing seeing those guys surf well in the pool. Maybe not the other ones. You know, heaps of people fucked up, but watching Gabby and and uh, Felipe in the pool, you sort of go, wow, that's just different surfing altogether. They're just so technically perfect. I mean, it's pretty amazing to, just to have wave pools to even just train. In. Yeah, exactly. I know, we, I know when we had Claire Bevo on, and we will have her chatting on this podcast later, but she mentioned, you know, to, to improve your air game, to have access to pools, you know, if if you could wind back the clock, you'd be, you'd be trying to spend a bit of time in those pools to uh, hone in your air game. Yeah, 100%. It goes a long way. Um, just wanted to mention Nami Joanne DeFay sort of making charge up the rankings she's um, finding a bit of consistency uh you know during rot- rotness especially and now um taking out the pool event so Joanne's, um, yeah, making a, a, a good uh, a good nudge at it um with only a few more events to go till we go into the finals mate she's she's ripping can she win i think she potentially win she's got a really Ooh. strong back Finals, Trestles. Um, I think it's 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 down her alley, but she's got some pretty stiff competition, you know. So yeah. So at this stage, we've got Carissa, Jan Defay, Sally, Tatiana, and Steph in the top five. So any of those any of those girls could win it, really. Um, you still think that Carissa Moore only has to surf one one heat from the first position? I can't see her losing it. No. Well, a- as you know, Namu, um, Carissa has already clinched her spot in the water world title showdown so she's that far ahead she's she's already got it she's already locked in the world title showdown yeah yeah and she's so far ahead she'll be in the first position you'd think if you're a betting man yeah she's 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 a good pick for sure and i guess you know just in sixth position you got caroline marks and tyler and seven so i actually find the women's is going to be quite exciting because it is quite close between one and seven or one and eight actually so yep caroline and tyler it'd be interesting um after chopes how the ratings look um so i'm predicting caroline and taddy to make a bit of a charge um, so we'll soon see yeah, and then in the men's, we've got obviously Gabby is pretty much locked in at number one. He's Italy, Felipe in third, Morgs and Griff Colapinto. So Griffin, if if it stays as is, Griff could make a charge up that last day because it's his, his home break, obviously. Um, and the other one that's going to be really interesting is Flippy, Flippy Toledo. Um, he lives at Trestles now or just around. And obviously, he's one of the best out there. He could easily, I think he'd be the only one Maybe Griff and, and Philippe. I think Italy is not going to be the winner this year. Uh, and Morgs, who knows what Morgs can do? Just get the biggest waves and go 12 o'clock. Exactly. Now, mate, I want to put this on the record. Griffin Colapinto is my roughie to win the world title this year. Well, he said that last year, mate. So, well, he's sitting at for fifth. this year. For this year, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. He's sitting at fifth, going to Mexico. You know, forehand, right-hand tubes. You know what You know what he's capable of. Chopu, you've seen his performance at Pipe last winter. He can charge big left-hand barrels. And then yeah, absolutely. going home to Trestles. He's, um, he is uh, physically and mentally sound too. He's obviously under a lot of pressure in that last run at the pool. And he um, came up, got it through, got it done. So he's uh, got nerves of steel. And yeah, mate, I don't think that's a bad roughie at all. Yeah, I still think he's a little bit behind, and I could be wrong, in his 
in uh, his consistency on how many airs he makes in heats. Yeah. If you compare that to Gabby and Italo, they seem to just to stomp every air they, they go for, or most stomp of them anyway. It. So, um, yeah, we'll see how Griff goes. Yeah, so just on the pool now, do you have any highlights, mate? Mate, um, I think, well... One highlight I did have, and it's been my highlight for the year so far, is Yogo Dora. Oh, yeah. The guy just absolutely tears, mate. I love his style. I love his surfing. I think, being a goofy myself, if I could surf like anyone on tour, it would probably be Yogo. He's just stylish and smooth and just blasts these big laybacks and big airs. And, yeah, he seems to have, like, a footy player, naturally good footy player, just has it on a string. He's a bit like that. Um the other highlight that I did have was, I thought it was pretty cool how the Brazilians wore the Adriano D'Souza Rashi, um, acknowledging his contribution to the sport and also to Brazilian surfing. And it also highlights the um, maybe the gap in the camaraderie and the team, team sort of aspect that the Brazilians have compared to everyone else. So good on the Brazilians. They just seem to have everything going for them at the moment. And uh, yeah, good on you. No, I agree with Yago Dora's performance. He got the highest uh, score, a 9.5 during the qualifying round on the left. Yeah. If anyone hasn't seen it, check it out. It's just next level. I think the GOAT made a comment on Yago Dora's wave. It's uh, absolutely insane. Just on the GOAT, good to see the old boy back in action as well, Nemi. Um, Tell you what, he looks like a bit of an old boy. He's uh, looks like he's ageing now, the, the GOAT. His grandfather GOAT. <laughs> his bald hair's growing <laughs> I wonder if he should just let that grow you know mate how good would that be just <laughs> just have a skullet <laughs> goat, goat skullet now, so I mate, mean, he's 50 shortly sure I thought he was surfing pretty sharp oh he was surfing amazing so what about boards board design in the pool interesting board I didn't really get a good look of it but he looked like he was riding a five I think it was a five six quad round tail Uh, I love quads myself Um, it was great to see him ride one so uh, as always he's always sort of leading the progression with uh, surfboard design and he looks super sharp yeah um, that board that Felipe was riding dark hearts or whatever it was that looked pretty spicy too oh big time so i think there's a few a few few sort of progressions being made in that and those sort of pool pool board designs so i'd be interested to see where that goes over the next few years i reckon you know who else i thought looked really sharp didn't really get a great result but uh como leary on his backhand look absolutely insane just put that in there i think keep losing your your uh signal there um conor leary yeah super mate. sharp on his back end didn't didn't um didn't get score in the uh in the business end of the, of the uh of the event but fuck his back end's insane can't believe he hasn't got a sponsor now man well it's so good and unfortunately it looks like he's gonna be yeah not requalifying either towards the end of the year because he's just got i think 17th at this stage which is unfortunate because it's not res- re- um yeah his his ability is way better than than that would suggest. But anyway, yeah. Um, should we get Adams Adams Adzi Kennedy on the phone? We can do, mate. Um, I I, I did have um, I guess one other comment about the pool. Oh yeah, here we go. Bring back Stath Galbraith. Yeah. No offense, Strider, but Aki dribbles some shit sometimes. Yeah, I, I, 
yeah. He no. has no technical sort of evaluation of surf commentary. If yeah. you compare that to stuff. Bit, bit sort of like Love the Spicoli. blokes. Yeah. Just talking shit about surfing without actually getting any sort of insight from the surfers. I agree with that. I thought the commentary was bloody terrible actually. No obviously discounting our mate Joey Turpel. No. But yeah, i yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was flat and uninteresting and yeah, a bit dull. Yep. No, I agree. Hey Nam, I'll, I'll just get on I'll just get Azzy on the phone, but just before we go, just a quick other pool news. Um wave pools are going crazy globally. Mate, uh, they're akimbo. They're the go. That's what I mean, two streams. There's so many wave pools, exactly. you could have a wave pool tour. They're talking about a $70 million Manchester wave pool plan's been recently submitted. The what tech? Not sure what, what tech. Um, obviously, the, the Japan wave pool's just about to be commissioned. South Korea wave park. Brazil's got one. And Switzerland. Mi- yeah, Munich's getting an endless surf wave pool near the airport. Uh, it's going ham, isn't it? And the surf lakes is going up in a few different places as well. The uh, Mad Max plunger and... Um, yeah, that I guess that's probably the closest thing to the actual ocean, the Mad Max plunger. So, hopefully, we'll see a few of those. And uh, if you are listening, oh fine, am I? Here we go. If you are listening, Perth wave pool people, um, yeah, get it going. Love to see one in Perth because hopefully all the Perth people can stay up there. T Bone, Ads Kennedy, we're recording, mate. So you're live. Welcome, mate. How Excellent. You, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you, boys? Not too bad, not too bad, buddy. Now, Adzi, where are you, mate? What are you up to? Mate, uh, I would love to be in the studio with you guys, but uh, I have just uh, had my HX 1976 Sandman panel van painted after six long years of (laughs) uh, rust repairs and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, Oh, gone. We're having all sorts of technical dish issues here. In a, in, a, in a workshop in Bustleton, actually, and had to make the most of the day because, uh, yeah, you don't get the opportunity to do, go yeah. in and work on it very often. I know you've been waiting to get in there for a while, so you're excused for not yeah. being in the studio. But um, yeah, T-Bone and I were just uh, talking about the uh, marathon session that we had and well, you had specifically with Jimmy Caddo, James Caddo and uh, Kelly Bremner on Friday. Now, uh, yes. we will be releasing the first episode of that um, eight-part series. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 it's, that's the PG. The, the first two hours is PG, and then as the night goes on, it uh, slowly increases in um, parental warnings, yeah, basically. Yeah. Then we'll have the OnlyFans <laughs> version. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Down the uh, it was a pretty pretty awesome night. Uh, yeah, Kat, James Caddo's got some unbelievable stories, and he's a colourful character. So uh, it was good to catch up with him and Kilo, for sure. And uh, yes, hey, funnily enough, um, yeah, just be – I'd lined up that podcast, and uh, – the day before uh, was really big, big clean Thursday. swell. Yeah, big Thursday. Did you guys uh, get in the water? Oh, no, T-Bone didn't. He was in Perth, unfortunately, working. I got in the water, yeah. I had a, a swim down in Quinlap because I didn't want to go yeah. anywhere near the surf. It was body, su- <laughs> it was body surfing. I, I, my leg weight wasn't big enough that day, no. unfortunately, and I had a little tweak of my heart muscle, so I couldn't, yes. couldn't get out yes. there. Fair enough. Well, mate, it was uh, it was a huge day. Uh, you know, who knows how big it is? Uh, 15, 
foot plus and sunny and offshore, one of those winter swells. And obviously, I'm still on the injury list, but I did try to live vicariously uh, through others and went out for a bit of a wander around to see what was going on at some of the breaks. Um, yeah. Down at our local main break was uh, it was it was really big. Uh, there was actually nobody out. Um, shout out to Franz Knapp, old Franzi. Franzi, he uh, local rock rock uh, rock breaker. He had just come in. I spoke to him on the grass. Uh, he had a solo session out there. He said he got one good one, but it was really big and lots of big closeouts. And then yeah. uh, he paddled for one, turned around, missed it and had that dreadful feeling that we all know too well of uh, turning around to see a monster yep. bearing down on him. He was way at the back in, in what you know everyone knows is quite a deep water break and uh, the one that he, he jumped off and it just absolutely steamrolled him and pinned him to the bottom way out the back of the oh main break, wow. which is in probably in about eight metres of water. <laughs> so no way. Um, shout out to Franzi for having a crack and then as uh, he basically tagged out with Jake Pato, who was heading out for his hour-long lunch break. Um, and I, I wanted to stay there and watch Jake, but it took him so long to get out, I decided to head down to the famed North Point instead by figuring there was uh, going to be more action with more surfers in the water. But, um, mate, apparently Brett Herring, a bit of a yeah, misto. I saw caller. the photo. You saw the photo? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Uh, apparently he paddled out just after Jake on a, on a 10-foot board. And, mate, it's behind uh, Richie Myers spreading the ashes in the tube uh, photo, which is also coming up in a future podcast. Uh, mate, it's probably the best photo I've ever seen of Yale's main. It, it is huge. It's like 15 foot and it's tubing and he's sort of just in the pocket of this monster wave. It's an amazing photo. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting day down there. Um, I know a lot of people did surf because it was just a lot of closeouts, really, but obviously he managed to pick one out. Um, and mate, then I, I headed down the coast and settled in and, uh, really watched some quality tube riding down there at North Point. And, um, it was, it was a little bit inco, uh, apparently it was just full on washers all morning, like people getting literally washed back to the boat ramp. Uh, so it was really, it was a really heavy swell with a lot of waves. Uh, but, um, the, the, my highlight of the day was seeing a, a young fella from Dunsborough, I didn't know who he was, but I hit him up on the rocks on the way back in, got an absolutely smoking tube, big double section tube where I didn't think he was coming out at least twice and, and he popped out with a spit and uh, as I said, I was living vicariously through others, so I was hooting and clapping, it was who quite was a that, special mate? barrel. So mate, it was a young guy called Mason Gibbs from Dunsborough, wow. uh, shout out to Mason. Gibbo. Seemed like a good young, yeah, old Gibbo. Uh, seemed like a good young lad and was pretty happy. He'd, he'd been out there for a really long time trying to trying to get that one, and that was his one he came in on. Uh, he was on a DMD shape, a local Dunsborough shape Dave Mannion. Yeah, old Mano was shaping young Gibbo aboard, and they were teaming up for a deadly double section eight-foot pit. So Sick. that sort of that made my day. I was pretty happy. And um, and then, yeah, another fella came in straight after. I don't know his name, but I see him around at the time. He's got a thumping thick red mullet with a really boisterous red beard <laughs> and uh, he's just a red dog and rang a madman and he uh, i seen him just pack a clothes out just fully it was never going to be made <laughs> in all his glory in all his red glory and he <laughs> came in red-headed mad dog packing yeah, he was clothes a, out he was. i know and he came in and it was it was just after the other guy so it was just that classic tale of one guy's just coming in totally euphoric and then old Redbeard came in, reckons it wasn't even 
wasn't even his board. Just he'd been getting smoked and, and then snapped someone else's board, and that oh, was I it see. for the day. Oh, um, and, off to the and then also dog. one more mysterious enigma who's uh, always out at uh, Northeast, who's just a big dotty. He's just uh, he's very unknown. He's an older local guy, and he just always emerges from the bushes with a wet, sandy wetsuit without much fanfare. And uh, he doesn't say a lot, old Big Dotty, and he paddled out and just got a double barrel first wave, and uh, I barrel. thought that was pretty. Yeah, thought that was pretty special. Um, Speaking through, living that. through other people's uh, photos, mate. A little special mention to Wisey. He uh, he posted a couple of ways from a certain uh, bombie, bombie break um, just yep, north of us. Uh, looked absolutely insane. Did you yeah, see the photos of that one? Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Oh, I saw yeah him dropping in, and then I saw some photos of uh, some other young Dunsby guys just copping a set on the head as yep. well. <laughs> that uh, Yahoo Surfboards posted that was pretty good. So Four yeah, it was a pretty special day. And um and uh, and then on the way back to the uh, from uh, to the car park, uh, walking across the boat ramp beach, I bumped into Keely Bremner and James Catter, who were, Still were just heading out. Yeah, no, no this before. is the day before oh, day the podcast. Before. Oh, sorry, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they give us a breakdown of what they got up to. Um, but funnily enough, at least leads me breakdown. to a, just a quick, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, that was only one hour of their fix. But, um, yeah, those guys were amongst it. Um, and that leads me to a Clive Palmer nomination, if I can jump to that quickly. Is that all right? Mate, that's fine. Straight to the Clive, okay. Mate, I was, I was there talking to the boys on the beach and their missus and I had a kid and they had a kid and... Mate, right there on the beach at uh, at the boat ramp in Quorumup, I see a full broken glass stubby just right where the kids are playing, right in the middle of the beach. And I'm just like, who would do such a thing? And I go to pick it up. Lo and behold, it's a cheeky monkey ginger beer. Oh, you kidding me? I was disgusted, me? mate. I, I felt it was my due diligence. I, I was <laughs> picking it up anyway. But as a as a representative of the Cheeky Monkey Brewery, I was uh, I was disheartened that one of our fellow drinkers had drinkers had smashed a bottle on the beach. So whoever ah. that fuck it is, stop drinking Cheeky Monkey and uh, start yeah. drinking something else. You're not you're not part of the Cheeky okay. family. So bugger off. Or something adds to you. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was a, a timely Clive Palmer. Well, what about well, you guys? Well, Do you Clive guys want Palmer. a Clive Palmer while I'm on the phone or? T-bone. Well, boys, I, I actually uh, had a Steve Earl. I didn't actually have a Clive in my back pocket this week. I actually had oh, a yeah. Steve, so uh, at least Namu's Stop. got a Clive. Um, I do have a Clive, actually, and um, I've completely forgotten what it was. Wasn't dog shit? Um, up dog shit? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I, yeah. No, oh, well, let's I, go to Steve Irwin. Yeah, then. I haven't actually got one. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. Who have we got for the uh, Steve Irwin salute? Well, Adzi. All right. Oh, sorry, T-Bone, you go, mate. Well, I can give you a Steve Irwin salute. Um, Sunday night, I went down to Caves House Hotel. Uh, Yelling Up Border Riders um, organised this initiative and they brought along uh, Dr. John Cohen. He's a, he's a surfing doctor. He specialises in emergency um, medicine. And there, there's a little kit. Uh, he talked about uh, a first aid kit that specifically designed uh, for surfers, um, you know, in the very unlikely event that you come across a shark attack. So he gave us a bit of a demo and uh, talked about um, some of the key things you need to do, which is basically stop the bleeding and apply a tourniquet. Um, And I thought it was a really good um, refresher personally just to um, 
know how to how to act and, and what's key to do because as he said when a shark bites your leg or your arm you know potentially you've got minutes so it's so key to uh really stop that bleeding and, and apply a tourniquet so this um this little shark bite bag um if anyone's interested www.calmas so that's calmas.com.au calm, calm as sorry sorry calm as yes thanks Sammy. <laughs> calm as check it out it's uh it's a great little kit it's packaged in a cool little waterproof bag you can stick it in your in your back of your car but what's the best thing about it is you've got this little and you'd like this adzi you've got this little rubber stretchy tourniquet that you fold up neatly and you can sort of put it in your wetsuit Uh, I thought that was a really cool feature. So you could actually have something out in the surf um, that you could, you know, potentially apply to someone. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. So check it out, folks. I actually bought one. I know Yelling Up Board Riders have got a bit of a discount happening with... with uh yeah. Yeah, I guess if you do want to get one, get in touch with us and we'll hook you up with a discount code. So yeah, that's my cool. Steve Irwin, boys. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I wanted to be down there. I had prior commitments. You hit me up. It sounded like a great initiative. And yeah, mate, I'd be uh, definitely keen on picking your brains over a beer um, and, and seeing what he had to say. And, and then, yeah, look at getting one of those kits myself for I, sure. I can so, test the tourniquet on you, Adzi. All right, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> mate, it'll cut your blood completely off, I think. <laughs> Yeah, mate, I cut my blood off to my brain pretty good on that podcast on Friday night. With, as long uh, as it's... Jimmy Katz and that, so I've only just got... The blood flow's only just returned, so I'll cut it off again. Mate, I promise I want to apply it to your beer drinking arm. Oh, that's good, yeah. yeah. But, uh, mate, so I've got a Steve Irwin salute. Um, a fella by the name of Simon Tien. Uh, he's a hard-charging surfer from Margie's. I've actually known him a really long time from my, back in my Perth days. Um yeah, he's a he's a good he's a good lad. Uh, he charges pretty re- uh, relentlessly. I know I've seen him. Um, I think he had a really famous wipeout at the right a couple of years ago on his backhand, where he did about five cartwheels in quick succession in the tube. And <laughs> for a couple of weeks, every every website you see would just had this wipeout uh, of him just absolutely going through the wash cycle. But mate, he's got a business down in uh, Margaret River called Floating Euphoria. Oh. Which is uh, is the float the float tanks, yeah. And um, mate, he uh, he gave uh, he was just giving out on Facebook a couple of freebies just to whoever hit him up, um, just to promote small businesses. And I hit him up, and being an old mate, he he said, "Yeah, no worries." Uh, so I went down there and and had a little session, mate. It was uh, very relaxing. These float tanks are pretty crazy. Um, you just yeah, you're really literally just floating in this dark pod for about an hour and um yeah it's super relaxing and uh mate i shout out to simon tien get down there um but mate he he was saying that heaps of the uh because he's been there for a few years heaps of the pro tour were coming in apparently john john's a massive fan comes in at least a couple of times every comp and uh he loves the float tank and uh a few of the other boys were in there as well i can't remember he listed off a whole bunch of names but uh yeah, it sounds like all the tour is pretty onto it because it's right down in Preverly there. So, yeah, if you're after something different, uh, go down and check out the float tanks. Sweet. The float tank, yeah, sounds good, mate. Yeah. Um, we'll have to try that at some point. It's, um, yeah. I'm sure so if you've got to go to the, the toilet, Etsy, do you... Uh... Yeah, that's why it's called the float tank. <laughs> drop, a, drop a nugget in the 
Drop a floater. Mate, I definitely made sure I, I relieved myself beforehand <laughs> because, you know, when it's a nice warm bath, you know, it's like, oh, you know, in the you got your wetsuit on or whatever. It's a it's 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 built into us. It's hardwired into our surface to the you know in a body of water just to piss in your wetty and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I made sure that I I definitely uh, was empty going in because yeah. especially in that relaxing state, who knows what could happen. There you go. I've got a uh, nomination for the Steve Evans salute, and it goes to the first place finisher in the Braille Surf Podcast League for the Kelly's Wave Tank, and it goes to BDP who had 694 points to take the chocolates from Kirps. I think that's how you say it. BDP, get in contact with us. Did anyone, anyone know who that is? No. BDP? No. Um, no. Yeah, no. Anyway, he, uh, yeah, yeah, the two finalists and Kanara and Ethan Ewing and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, took the win there. So, well done, BDP. You get yourself a few cheeky monkey beers to enjoy at your leisure. What a legend! I don't think I even got any of. I I I, I think I got a zero. I didn't get my uh, didn't people get in time. In. I, I just missed it. I was too busy in the shed with the boys and just missed the whole kabang. But uh, yeah. Anyway, all right, there you go. Um, and <laughs> oh mate, what was it? CDP. I can't remember what, it, what his name was now. BDP, DDP. Uh, he's got the overall lead too in the oh, comp. So ripping. good on Ooh. you, Cobber or Cobets, uh, whichever you might be. Got the uh, the first place position at this stage. Um, we've still got to work out what we're doing prize-wise for the end of the year, but I'm sure we'll make sure it's worthwhile for their free entries. Anyway, um, Azzy, what else have you got, mate? Uh, well, I, I mean, I've got a lot, but we won't go into it uh, today. Um, uh, there was also, I just thought it was probably worth mentioning, I don't know if you did, but we had a rare north swell a couple of weeks ago, which is something that, you can go three or four years without one, uh, really. On yep. our coast, we don't get north swells. It's all all from the south or the southwest. And there was a brief window of north swell uh, that I went down and, and had a little watch of once again. Um, yeah, it was uh, – I saw uh, an old boy who knocks around uh, Dunsborough called Charlie. He's, uh, he's a bit of a legend dude. He still packs some pretty big waves and – uh, he was absolutely frothing. He just had a surf. So shout out to uh, to Charlie and uh, also shout out to uh, a man by the name of Little Dick Big Balls. Um, he's, uh, Little Dick he Big was Balls. Yeah, you know Little Dicko. He's an absolute charge. He's a very small man. His name's uh, he's, uh, Dick. He's, his name's Little Dick. But uh, Yeah, Little Richard. But, uh, mate, he must have some thumping balls because I've seen him paddling <laughs> in a few footers. So I call him Little Dick Big Balls, but uh, yeah, he was he was frothing. Shout out to him. Uh, he was waxing up and about to run down uh, a stretch of beach. It's normally pretty straight, and it had a series of right-handers peeling down it um, on the north swell. So good times. That was yeah, and uh, yeah, it looked pretty good. That was pretty entertaining. I'm sure uh, some crew got some novelty waves and uh, commiserations to friend of the podcast Sammy Morrison, who went to one of those straight stretches of sand on the north swell paddled out first wave broke his board and had to go home and, and that was oh, his sh- north swell oh. session oh <laughs> i've actually got to have a shout out for sammy morrison too he was uh in the board riders comp last weekend he missed the final by 0.01 i think or 0.1 he was a bit, yeah. bit devoted he thought he would have got the score and um 
I was actually judging at the time. I said, well, you didn't give me 10 bucks or a six pack. So what do you expect, mate? That's that's what happens in this sort yeah, of situation. So uh, no All final right. for you, Sammy, but uh, just make you sure you I know he likes bending the he, he likes bending the rules, so I'm very Chris, surprised you pockets next quickly. time, Sammy. <laughs> I just on that. No, so. he was surfing really well before we leave that. Yeah, it was, he was ripping and he was unlucky not to make the final. Hey, uh, Adzi, while uh, Namu's just mentioned the yelling up board riders, uh, Namu's actually making a real strong um, sort of uh, stab at the uh, the end of year over stab. 45's yelling up board rider <laughs> champion. He's uh, he's back to back finalists. Uh, he finished. Is he? Finished third in the last uh, contest. So, two podiums, uh, mate. Two podiums, Namu. So uh, look out. Oh. You know, we're coming into the the final series on the business end of the of the year. Well, look, I don't care about final standings. All I want to know is who beat who out of you two. That's all that I care about. <laughs> well, uh, I, I did take the lucky win over T Bone. Namu's the, uh, got the nod at yeah. so far now. Eight, uh, eight foot injuries. Um, but I think <laughs> yeah. that was only because everyone everyone else was washed in and I, I was too scared, so I paddled to the horizon. Everybody, <laughs> everybody else was trying to get waves. So I was just trying to survive. I got two two one point rides, so uh, yeah. But uh, I think everyone that was would have seen us surf knows that T Bone's a better surfer than me, so there's no arguments there. But yeah, got a lucky third place. It's what happens in the heat that counts, mate. So, That's right, mate. Well, only good is the last result. You you yeah. you're wanting us to argue about this, aren't you? I can just hear it. <laughs> yeah, I totally want you guys to like get really heated. I'm gonna keep pushing and prodding, and hopefully it comes down to the wire, and we can just have some. Sort of fierce, fierce, fierce uh, at the we'll end. Wait, we'll wait until the end of the year rankings, mate. I think I'm second at the moment, so not sure Ooh. where T Bone is. He's nowhere, but um, yeah, he'll goes. start training, mate. A little bit. He'll fire. be training. I'll have yeah, to fucking uh, call good up stuff. Jake Patterson to uh, come on board <laughs> for the last couple of events. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, thanks for bringing that up. Good on you, mate. Um, all right, so we are going to have um, we got a little interview with Claire Bevilacqua after she was in the ISA Games um, recently in El Salvador. She didn't, didn't get the, the victory she was hoping for. But um, any final words before we move on to that, guys? Just a, well, I'm all good, mate. Just, yep. a, just a quick one, um, Namu. Um, Bronte McCauley obviously skipped, skipped the surf ranch uh, and made her way up north. Um, oh, if yes. anyone hasn't seen her Instagram, check it out. She's... Uh, Rode this barrel, which is unbelievable. Um, you'd have to say Bronte McCauley is the best forehand tube rider on the women's CT. Uh, I really hope the McCauley family are coping after the passing of Jack. You know, the Barrel Surf podcast crew, our thoughts are with you. And uh, not sure what her plans are for the rest of the year, but if she goes to Chopu, whew, look out. Yeah, I yeah. thought that barrel was very deep and clean and sizable. Yeah, it was epic. And long too, yeah. All right, yeah, Adzi, well, we cool. will uh, catch you later and we will get on to our interview with Claire Bevilacqua. Uh, as usual, no she's a really interesting um, interview and uh, enjoy that and we'll uh, see you next time on Barrel Surf Podcast. Thanks for ringing in. Hi, my name is Jeremy Flores and you're listening to Barrel Surf Podcast. Okay, 
Okay, so we have Claire Bevlacqua in the, well, not in the studio, but she joins us on Barreled Surf Podcast from her quarantine room in Sydney. How are you going, Claire? Yeah, I'm okay, considering I'm, I'm in jail. <laughs> How long have you been in jail now? Has it been a, been a week or so? Yeah, I've, I've hit the halfway mark, so I'm, I'm pretty relieved that I guess the, the hardest bit is over, you know, just getting used to it all and being rather anxious about how I'd survive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of over the worst, I feel. Now, um, those handstands by the windowsill have been pretty impressive. Have you had anyone waving from other uh, other high-rise buildings across the uh, from the hotel? <laughs> no, no, no one's waving at me. No one's talking to me. Um, I'm pretty much very much isolated and alone here. Um, I'm lucky I have a window, but it doesn't open, so I'm pretty. I was pretty uh, freaked out by the thought of being in a non-ventilated room alone for two weeks, but so far so good. It's pretty amazing um, how your body just adapts to things. You know, your, the human body's amazing like that. Yeah. Well, we're talking to you, and uh, yeah, when I was reading your posts about the uh, about the ISA World Surfing Games, which people didn't know, um, people on that listen to the podcast, Claire, you were representing. Italy. Um, just before we go into some of the details of the ISA Games, um, how did you first get? How did you get a part of the Italian team? Just for folks that didn't know already. Um, so my father is an Italian immigrant. He came over in the sixties um, and married my mother. And um, yeah, just I got it through him. My mum's um, an Italian citizen as well by marriage. And yeah, I just. They hit me up um, a couple of years ago to to be a part of this, you know, this new Olympic endeavor, and I changed my my nationality um, over to Italian, like who I represented on on the world tour. I I made it uh, Italian, and yeah, just been a part of the the team and and the program ever since. Classic. So the the El Salvador. Um I say World Surfing Games was the last Olympic qualifier for Tokyo Games. So sorry to hear that you missed out on Olympic qualification, but I'm sh- pretty sure that you, you've made a lot of people proud, especially a lot of Italians. Um, just want to ask you about the team, that the Italian team. What was that like, um, getting to be a part of the Italian team over there? Well, we've been working together for a few years now and um, we're like family I'm really, really tight with um, with all the other team members. This year we had Leonardo in the squad and it was nice to get to know with him and, and train and work with him. Um, he's super, super professional. I mean, he's been doing this for a very long time. He's like one of those, one of, part of that generation that was just cloned really, really young to to be extremely professional and athletic and, and just get the best out of everything that he does. So... That was really fun. Um, I over there was 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 pretty hardcore. I mean, I was I was really stressed about the whole situation pretty much from the moment that I I got the ticket to go over. Um, uh, but yeah, that that's a pretty in depth story if you want me to go into that the whole COVID situation and all that. But while I was over there, um, it was just normal, you know, having a good time training, trying our best, working together, encouraging each other. The Italians are very 
um, family orientated and, and passionate and so we all get along really, really well and um, we make the most of wherever we are. It sounds like um, it sounds like that, that sort of team environment was something that you, you seem to really enjoy. Obviously, you know, surfing on the tour and everything else is a pretty sort of individual endeavour. Is that something that you, you sort of really sort of got to enjoy and it's something you'd like to do more of in the future? Yeah, the, the team thing is super different for me. I mean, surfing is a really selfish solo sport and I've always done the tour on my own and I've never really had any coaching. I never had coaches on tour and um, it was very much uh, a very lonesome um, career for me besides, you know, the friendships and stuff that I made along the way. I was, I was, I was on my own. I was my own team. And so to be a part of all this and, and something greater than myself has, has given, given my surfing career more, more meaning and given me a reason to continue over the last few years to, to try and make the Olympics. Um, it was one of the best, you know, opportunities that I've ever had. And unfortunately, there was only, at the end of the day, there was only 20 positions. Um, and you know, that's, that's pretty hard odds. I, I felt like it was totally obtainable for me. Um, but it wasn't meant to be this time. Um, I definitely want to give it another go. We've got, it's actually going to come up again in a couple of years, maybe another year or so. We, we have the, the qualifications again for the next one. So, um, I may get involved in that still, just depending on where I'm at in my life and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good environment. It's very, very, it's very encouraging. It's very fun. But at the end of the day, it's also pretty, um, difficult to adapt to that whole moving as one unit as well yeah, when you're yeah. so used to just doing your own thing. And I had a coach there that I didn't necessarily work as well with that I possibly could have. Um, it's, it's just, yeah. And I'm, I'm and I'm an, I'm an old dog with, with my old tricks. I, <laughs> I enjoy getting coached and, and guided, but, I also am old enough to know what works for me and what doesn't, and so that kind of environment can be a little bit hard at times. Um, but my team members make it all better for me. You know, we we have each other's back, and and um, those guys are the ones you know that I'm spending the most time with, and that uh, you know making the whole journey fun because my team is really really fun, and and um, at the end of the day, you just want to be you know happy where you are and, and happy with the people that are around you. Yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, we obviously we've bumped into you in the surf along the coast here a few times in the last sort of little while, and you've certainly been blowing up. Um, in in terms of the Italian team or otherwise, do you, do you sort of see an opportunity for you to, I don't know, perhaps become a mentor to the younger surfers coming through, or a coach, or some sort of um, you know, impart the wisdom that you've sort of gained over the years as a professional surfer onto onto the younger generation? Yeah, I mean, I definitely take pride in my position to be able to influence other people, especially the youth. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes over my career and and I love to help people avoid um, those and, and, you know, get through all the, the trials that you have being a young athlete and being on the road alone. Um, I've got a lot to share and and, and um, a lot of advice to give. So I definitely see a future in that for me, especially with the Italians and, and being, you know, bilingual and things like that is, is super handy. Um, 
I'm kind of just taking it day by day. You know, I have my own personal goals and I'd like to be able to start a family and do all those other things that normal people um, do, um, which the lifestyle on tour kind of stops you from doing, especially Mm. a woman. So I'm just taking it day by day. I have a lot of opportunities for the future, future, I know, because I I work hard and I'm, I'm passionate and dedicated to to whatever I do and I give everything I a hundred percent that I'm that I'm, you know, want to do. So I I coaching is definitely on the cards for me, possibly. Um but yeah, for now I'm kinda just taking I'm gonna probably just take a step back from it all because um as I said, I had severe anxiety pretty much from the moment that I not severe because that's a bit dramatic, but I had a lot of anxiety from the moment that I knew I was leaving the country. Um all my teammates had already had COVID. Everyone there, um, you know, had, had had it before or, you know, there was a lot of people in the contest that had positive PCR tests and had yep. to spend the whole event in hotel quarantine. Um, all my team was super casual about it because they were either vaccinated or already had it. So, you know, and I was a, I was a little bubble girl Australian <laughs> that had no vaccine and, uh, and no exposure and all those things. Um, so... I felt pretty pretty out of out of shape from the moment that I left the country and that definitely weighed heavy on my my heart and my performance um so I probably not probably I won't be going anywhere in the near future that whole experience of traveling um and and now having to spend two weeks of my life in a in a hotel alone um even though I have negative negative covid tests it's just the whole the whole ordeal has been, you know, really stressful and um, I kind of just want to take a step back from all this drama until mm. we have somewhat of a consistent, normal mm-hmm. life again. And that's the part that was really scary for me because because everything's changing all the time and there's nothing really consistent or uh, it's all quite confusing and contradictory. Um, mm-hmm. So that unknown about everything, yeah, it does, it's... As an aging athlete, it's not very uh, settling for me, so I'm going to kind of just uh, hang at home and, and surf yelling up and <laughs> yes. and annoy all the old boys and uh, yes. do what I do best. <laughs> very understandable um, feeling that way. I mean, I can yeah, I can't imagine going across the other side of the world and you've got 51 countries of surfers all congregating in one particular location. Um, just on that, you know what I was confused about is why uh, some of the surfers, in particular some of the Australian team, had to go over there even though they'd already qualified. Did you um, get any insight from Steph or Sally and the other guys and why they had to compete even though they'd already qualified? Yeah, I spoke to a lot of my friends on the WCT who were in that position and they were all very frustrated about that um the reason that they had to do that was basically to show loyalty to the isa i mean the isa and the wsl have been battling for positions and control of of um qualification since the since the moment the olympics made the cut so you know that that's been a bit of a, a messy situation between the two associations or the federation and the association and um Unfortunately, the athletes are kind of caught in the middle of that. And I felt actually, for the first time, I kind of felt sorry for them because, you know, the, the CT surfers have such a good life, um, these days and, and they make so much money, et cetera. But 
they had a really, really long, stressful, isolated um, um, tour since the beginning of the year. And yeah. then, you know, and, and pretty hardcore on the body. And then to go all the way to El Salvador, I mean, it was it was full on for them. And some of, some of them stayed on and competed fully and others went and surfed their heat. I heard rumors that some were just going to touch the water and, and, and leave in um, <laughs> in defiance to the rule. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's all pretty full on. You know, it's, it seems glamorous, but it definitely has its um, hardcore sides. I mean, we, we got to El Salvador and, and those guys had all been in Margaret River and they, you, you get to El Salvador, including me, you get to El Salvador and it's like 40 degrees outside and 40 degrees in the water. And um, you're walking around with a mask like an alien. Like it's just, it wasn't, it's not a very nice time to be competing and traveling and it's pretty stressful on the body. So, um, yeah, and that was all due to the WSL and the ISA battling over um, rules and requirements for this qualification process, which has been um, kind of changing over the last few years. Uh, it, it there, there wasn't even, some, there was some consistency to it, but... There were a lot of uh, iffy, kind of confusing parts to it where they were changing, changing rules along the way. So it was very, very strange and um, inconsistent again. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a bit of a nightmare to be honest. Having to travel all halfway around the world. Um, just on the the CT events over here, did you get down to um, Margie's or Rado when that when they were on? Um, no, I prefer the comfort of my house than um, the big the big ordeal show. Um, <laughs> I find Margaret River really, really horrible to watch from the beach. Yeah, um, it's too far out. Competing there is, is is the same. It's just it's such a a full on event, and you know that time of the year the the conditions are always really harsh as well. So. I stayed at home and in my room and I watched the live webcast, which is always so nice to watch. Um, Rotness was a bit of a, a sore point for me because I've competed there my whole career and done really well um, at a national and, and, and state level. So it was really sad for me to not be a part of that. Um, mm. And, you know, it's, it's, as, an, as an athlete, you're always going to have a bit of FOMO. Um, and and want to be involved even if you can't um, some way but you know it's all business you know it's not there's there's nothing really that what I have to keep reminding myself is it's it's not personal it's all business it's money it's um it's a show so you know whether you're part of it or you're not it's just um it is what it is so I just you know watch watch the the athletes I watch the surfing I'm always um entertained by the performances and and um the drama of it all so you know that that part to me is always going to be um really really entertaining <laughs> yeah nice it's, it does sound like Rotto was a pretty, pretty sort of strange event for everyone involved um so obviously you you've got friends that are still competing on the ct who do you sort of keep keep in close contact to i guess who, who are your mates that are still competing um, I'm really close with Sage. Um, I took her under my wing when I first went on tour, when she first came on tour, sorry, she was like 16, 17, <laughs> and she would travel so with young. me, and um, yeah, she was a baby, so I, I looked after her and, and took her around the world with me, um, so I'm still really close with her, and she updates me on all the goss and all the happenings, and I find that um, very 
very entertaining and um, and keeps me in the loop. And but I'm friends with everyone. I've been competing against Steph since the pro junior years, <laughs> where oh. we um, where we had the pro junior tour and we were able to make money as as young adults um, traveling around Australia competing on that series. And and Sally, you know, she's she's a mate, and and she's always been, whether or not I I, I liked it at the time and growing up, um, she's always been really really inspiring, and professional, and so I I always ad- admired her big time, even though she drove me crazy, even when she was a kid, she was so hard to compete against and so serious, and <laughs> I couldn't wrap my head around it. So, you know, now and reflecting on it all, being you know at my age, I just. I just admire the the women and the men who are able to stay strong and consistent and mentally and physically in top shape and and just you know continue to push themselves and their limits and and inspire like that's what what I'm attracted to and and also at the end of the day the people who keep it real and and can still be humble and and um accessible to communicate with you know it's like you just at the end of the day like they're just surfers, you know. They're not. They're not getting the Nobel Peace Prize and curing That's cancer, right. and you know, they're they're just surfers. They're incredible and they're inspiring, but they're just people. So it's um, it's just all relatable, and and you use it to um, to you know, put in your own own way and and um, and grow in your own way, and yeah, get inspired by. Yeah, yeah well said. Uh, just on uh, just the surfing and ISA games, how did you feel? I know you mentioned before that you had a lot of, uh, I guess, stress um, going into El Salvador. But how do you how did you feel surfing? Like your surfing and your equipment, were you feeling, uh, you know, feeling pretty good apart from the obvious, um, just you know, stresses with uh, with COVID, etc. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, as you get older, like if you're in good shape, like I am, you can you still seem to be able to improve in certain ways and and this this year and over the last year I, I, of not competing not traveling I was really able to step up my surfing in certain ways you know um, I was able to practice my tube riding all the time and and then you know my combos and I was I was filming heaps so I was getting a lot of video analysis and learning how to grab on my airs and I was feeling really, really good leading into it and especially seeing the girls in, in you know, the, the finals. I mean, Sally was, Sally, I felt, was always just a step ahead of everyone. Um, she too has changed a lot over the years, you know. She she seems to have gotten stronger, um, put on a bit of, like, muscle. Um, don't tell her I said that because girls, <laughs> girls are funny about their weight, but she seems to be a lot stronger now and she was, Surfing incredible, um, but as for me and my comparison against, comparison against the other girls, like I felt ready um, and I felt like I was surfing good, but I probably could have had more of a variety of surfboards. That's one thing that's you know that as a as a you know, someone who's not really involved as much as I used to be, I could have rocked up to the contest with with. 10 boards and it probably would have suited me better because I really didn't have any idea what I was getting myself into mm-hmm. and the conditions there were really, really tricky and unlike anywhere I'd, I'd really ever surfed. So I needed more equipment over there. Um, I felt like I didn't have enough boards to choose from. Um, my surfing was up there, my fitness and everything. I felt really, really strong. Um, but you have to be 100% prepared 
you have to have the best coaching, the best boards, mm-hmm. the best physical and mental state. Like you're you're competing against all the best surfers in the world. So if any of those links are missing, um, which unfortunately fortunately a couple of those ties were loose for me, mm-hmm. um, it's going to hold you back and. It really sucks. I didn't even actually even know that I was going um, until maybe two weeks. I got my tickets like maybe a week before I left. Jeez. So uh, I didn't really have much, you know, I was, I didn't really have much time to think about it or prepare, which is probably a good mm. thing in a way because I might have um, put me off going, but yeah. I wasn't prepared um, in all the other ways that you need to to compete at that level. Like even if I was to compete at a CT level, I'd be surfing I feel um, in moments as good as anybody but I don't have the access to the equipment and the coaching and all the other Mm -hmm. things that the girls at the top end do because I live a normal life I have a normal job and and um, my life you know doesn't just revolve around surfing and and to be at that level Olympics and competing at that level it's just got to be eat, sleep, shit, and be absorbed <laughs> by that whole world, you know, which yep. is just not my reality anymore. I've, I've, out, I've outgrown it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just on a, on the actual um, location of the event, the waves, or, or was it was it um, just at a one location or was it at a couple of different beaches? And, and what were the waves like? We had um, two contest sites that were located about 500 metres from each other. One was a really... Margaret River, far out kind of set up, so it was really far out to see. It was a point break and it was a right and it was very, very long and sectiony and very, very fat and burgery in some sections. <laughs> Looked like a burger, um, that's for sure. And and also there was a fair amount of swell most of the time. So um I was getting thrown around a lot. I made a highlight reel of actually just eating shit the whole time. I was just getting smashed um, because there was just constant chop and and burgery sections that I wasn't really um, used to, and my weight wasn't you know exactly perfected for because I'm I'm one of the smaller lighter athletes. Um, that wave was quite similar to Engine Up in a way, but still. Just really long and and um, and just a lot of water moving the whole time, which I found quite difficult. And then the other wave was this really really punchy um, A-frame that also yeah was just really really powerful A-frame close to shore. Both are both are rock breaks. They 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 break over these large cobblestones. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the waves were like in con- comparison to what I've competed on on the WQS. Like the waves were pretty good. I mean, it wasn't barreling um, perfection, but it, it, the waves were pretty good, and and that's why I, I felt pretty confident um, competing in that. But again, I don't. I just didn't have the time to train and, and yeah. dial my equipment. I could have had um, um, a couple of different boards just as it designed especially for those conditions just to carry me and my weight that probably we would have given me an advantage but as I said I had a week to prepare for the yeah. event because it was all up in the air and Jeez. and I just um I just didn't give myself every chance unfortunately yeah that's full on um I had a look at the ISA uh, country ratings and I see Italy placed overall 15th out of 51 countries now 
I see there's a lot of different countries competing, um, countries like Iran and Ukraine and areas that you wouldn't think typically are surfing destinations. Did any any countries, any surfers from any countries really impress you? Were you quite surprised by any of the uh, the level of surfing there? Um, I mean, I've been doing the ISA for a few years and I know that everybody recruits um, their, their athletes from all over the globe. Like, you have Germany who has one of the best teams and they're all from America and, and, you know, around the world. Um, the Italians actually had a really, really good team this year, the best team that we've ever had. But we just had a, we just had a bit of bad luck, you know, we had four of us lose by 0.01s, um, or 0.1s. It, the four of us uh, all lost by, by like you know that uh, that kind of score, and so you're talking about everybody being really really good. I mean, the, one of the girls that qualified, she's from Israel, she's really good, um, but everyone's good. You know, everyone mm-hmm. has the opportunity. There's just a, a fair amount of luck involved, and then we're competing against the CT surfers for these spots as well. And um, they're already, you know, ahead of, ahead of uh, most of us in terms of equipment and preparation and coaching and all that. Um, so the ten girls that qualified that weren't on the world tour, they were from from mainly South America, Central America, and those surfers are all really passionate. Their their country puts a lot of energy into them and, and a lot of energy in the right ways, you know, by boosting their confidence mm-hmm. and morale and, and just giving them access to all the best help. Um, they're really passionate about it. Like the Peruvians, they, they've probably got some of the best sponsorship deals out of anyone, mm-hmm. and that's Peru. Are they so, getting sponsors from outside um, surfing or is it? Yeah, every everyone's good. The Russians, you know, they've got a couple of good surfers in there. But again, like these places that are coming from not normal surfing spots, they're, they're recruiting their athletes from around the world. I mean, three of the, the people in my team from Italy live in Costa Rica. So, um, yeah, it's, it just depends. It just comes down to like you, you, you're flying the flag for your blood and your, and your family and, and your um, ancestors. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's not necessarily sure. mean that you're coming from those places. But the, the Central and South Americans seem to dominate for the most part, they have a lot of um, they have a lot of support behind them and a lot of encouragement because these countries are poor and and they're just so passionate about you know giving their people every chance and opportunity. So definitely could see how that helped those those surfers and those athletes where you, you know you get the other countries where they're a bit more bit more spoiled and lazy and mm-hmm. you know they just don't really care because they're not the end of the day that they're still going to get paid and yep. still live in a great place and life is all good but those third world country surfers have definitely got a lot more to prove and it shows and that's why the Brazilians are so good as well yeah definitely um, you, you mentioned that the the margin um, like point whatever it was was that actually to qualify the Olympics or just to get to the next sort of round of, of the event yeah just heats I mean our heats over there it's, it's not a it's not a good it's not a good format it's 20 minute heats with four people. Wow. So you can imagine how difficult that is. Um, everyone's good, everyone's hungry, everyone's aggressive in the water, and yeah, you've somehow got to 
out maneuver and out position and out surf these you know other other three surfers in your heats and sometimes luck goes your way and sometimes it doesn't and when you lose by by those kind of margins it's really it's really um disheartening because you know like the judges they have the they're they're in control the whole time so it's i don't know there's parts of you that just feels like you you're up against a lot more than than what meets the eye there seems to be a lot of rounds in, in the iso games it's, it's like about a million heats in it the heat drives crazy yeah there's a lot of heats it's very very exhausting <laughs> So you're a week down in a quarantine. Um, you you've probably got some something to watch. We've got the uh, the, the surf ranch uh, coming up shortly. I think that's over the weekend. Um, I was just speaking to Namu off offline, and you know, you would think moving forward with Olympics in certain destinations that wave pools would be a more of an attractive option um, than you know going to a beach and relying on Mother Nature to to dish up the goods. Not sure if yeah. that's factored in for the Tokyo Games. I don't even know if they've even got a wave pool in Tokyo. No, it's um, there's a part of me that's not really that sad about not having to surf in Tokyo again, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine. I've been there many times for the um, for the WQS and also the ISA World Games in the past have been there. Um, depending on the time of the year, the water can be absolutely freezing. Um also, there's constant typhoons, so the weather is very temperamental. And also, with those typhoons, they stir up the whole ocean, and so you'll have an ocean, you'll have a beach completely covered in, in all types of rubbish from all over the, from all over the, um, the the Asian Sea, which is you know stuff that floats from China, etc. Um, so and yeah, and then you throw in the 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 environmental factors because you've got a um, the what's it called the radiation in the water yeah, from the, yeah. the spillage radioactive ocean um, yeah the radioactive water so and then you have a quite a, a moody swell situation so some days yeah you'll have the typhoons and it'll be eight foot and you'll have like I don't know buoys and car parts and stuff washing up on the beach and then it will be flat and one foot and um, really cold water so um, not ideal for an Olympic event to compete in those conditions that we're surfers and we're competitive surfers and that's what we're used to doing. We, you try not to get too caught up in what you're surfing and just how you're going to surf it. Um, the, the wave pool would be the best option a hundred times. Um, but no, there's no wave pool for the Tokyo Olympics. They will be surfing, um, yeah, anything it's ranging beach, from one foot. Anything ranging from one foot um, tendery water with with no swell to um, to eight foot typhoon, <laughs> you don't really know what you're going to get. Sounds like a nightmare. One thing for sure is you're going to be eating a lot of rice. <laughs> That's a certainty. Some radioactive sushi. Um, yeah, you, <laughs> you'll be surfing <laughs> shitty waves and you'll be probably constipated. <laughs> um, so. Once you're out of quarantine, Claire, what's what's the next six months look like for you? What are your sort of immediate plans? Um, I just want to, you know, I just want to enjoy home and and a little bit of normality that my my beautiful home life 
um, provides me. Um, I love my my sheltered lifestyle down south. It's pretty good. So I'll just be working on my house and and enjoying my family and and my amazing lifestyle at home, just working, surfing, and and playing with my loved ones. So yeah, I, I'm all about the simple life these days. Thank you very much. Sounds like a pretty good six months to me. Just a, just a warning: there's no sand on the north on the north shore. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, so hopefully we can, I don't know, get some sand pipes up there or something um, to get make that a bit better. It's no good at the moment. No, it's all right. Are you talking about Dunsborough side? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm I, I'm not I'm not too phased if Dunsborough's not breaking, mate. You can have that side. <laughs> <laughs> just those little winter ones. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably just just um surf ten foot on shore, engine up, and the occasional grovel with um. Taj out at Huzzers because he secretly really likes Huzzers too. <laughs> we'll put that to him when we speak to him. All right, Claire, we'll let you go because I know you've got a, a big afternoon of uh, yeah, exercise massive. and uh, all the rest of it planned. But thanks for having a chat with us. It's been great. Uh, shame we didn't get through to the Olympics, but it sounds like you're one of those people that appreciates that life has plans for you and you're not too worried and uh, move on to the next next big thing, which sounds like it's just chilling at home, which is pretty good. <laughs> Never chilling, but it's definitely rewarding, the home life. Yeah, good on you, good on you Claire. Thanks for talking to us. T-Bone cool. and Amu at Bounceurf Podcast, and we'll speak to you very soon. Cheers, Claire. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Take care. No worries. Bye. Bye.